Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, August 16th, the 41st uh, anniversary of my parents' first date. Oh, nice. Uh, Cute. So th- there you go. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tiamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, over the weekend, Grace and I had the distinct pleasure to sit in the seats normally filled by the legendary This Week on Broadway crew. So she and I tried to live up to the lofty... Uh, expectations that they set. So we brought in the big guns. We brought in Andy Carl and Orfe. Not bad. For about, yeah, not bad. For like a 30-minute interview, we talked about their um, upcoming concert series that they're doing on the road a little bit and then coming to 54 Below for their Legally Bound concert that they've done before. Um, how they uh, kind of pick the songs that they move in and out. What's it like for them at, to live together and to work together? Um, what is their, What are their go-to songs on road trips? Um, we also got a little bit of uh, insight about the upcoming Jersey Boys film that Andy Ooh, recently filmed. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about that. That is all in your feed now, now, whether it's the Patreon feed or the regular feed. Yes, go ahead. I was going to say, so this is like, they've done this show before, right? Legally Bound? Yeah. Yeah, they've done it before. There's an album out of it. But That's what I thought. Okay. they, as Orfe said, they they have such a huge repertoire of songs. They often just like pull things in and out. So it's not necessarily going to be. That's what I was going to ask if they've yeah. switched it up a bit, especially over the past year when, you exactly. know, just reworking stuff is, was the only thing to do anyway. Yeah, I don't know if they didn't spe- specify how much it would be different, but she said basically they usually only have to really do a ton of rehearsing for the songs that they're putting into the show. And she talked about them moving things in and out, but she did not give away. Maybe they haven't finalized their set list yet. It's possible. Yeah. Um, But what's cool about this is if you head over to the Patreon feed, patreon.com slash Broadway radio, I threw in uh, a few little jokes and segments and outtakes at the very end of the episode. Oh, nice. We cut um, just a couple minutes of extra or fan Andy goodness. Um, So much fun. They literally are the coolest people in the world and they are they're the kindest delightful. and most generful generous yeah they're they're absolutely fantastic so we really really enjoyed them and then grace and i had a little few conversations about broadway returning which mm. later in the episode here ashley i'm going to pose a couple questions to you that i posed to her <laughs> so be prepared all righty all right, so Ashley, we are going to start the news today with a story that neither one of us really wants to talk about, but true. we kind of have to anyway, because at least until Sunday morning was the biggest story in theater Twitter, and that's because mm-hmm. after we recorded Friday's episode on Thursday night, news broke in the New York Post's page six that two-time Tony nominee Laura Osnes had recently been fired from a concert in the Hamptons because she refused to get vaccinated. She was supposed to do a one-night production of Crazy for You with Tony Yazbek, who she has obviously done the show with in multiple forms and fashions before. It was going to be part of a weekend or multi-day celebration of Susan Stroman, um, who obviously directed the Encores concert that they were doing um, of Crazy for You at one point. Additionally, according to the Post's Michael Riedel, Osnes had been vague about her vaccination status during the early parts of rehearsals and the the lead-up until Tony himself actually pressed her on it because he has two young children at home that he was concerned about. After that, she finally admitted that she was not vaccinated and that she didn't trust the shots. Asnes was then fairly quickly fired and <laughs> reportedly replaced by um, Broadway's Little Mermaid and Christine Daae Sierra Bagas. Now, 
Ashley, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because yeah, I feel like you likewise. and I have made our thoughts on this very well known. And we don't know the whole story. And it's coming from page six, which is always a bit sus to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I will say Asnes has been very outspoken and, and fairly freely identifies herself as a Christian conservative, yep. which I think a lot of people are attaching to this story. I have no idea if that has impacted her decision or not. So I'm not going to make that leap myself. Sure. But it is noted in this page six um, article. But I do feel like we need to applaud Tony for forcing the truth out of her very to do what much. he can to keep his family safe. I honestly believe that if you don't want to get the shot, fine, don't get the shot. I personally think it's incredibly selfish and irresponsible of you for not to get the shot. But if you don't want to get it, fine, don't get it. But tell the people you're around that you haven't gotten it. And if you choose to do that, other people, including your employee, employers, can make choices based on that as well. Sure. So um, good for Tony for getting the truth out there that Laura obviously did not want to disclose ahead of time on her own. And I don't – a lot of people are thinking this could be the end of Asnes' Broadway career. I honestly don't know if I would go that far at this I point. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, know either. That. But um, it's been a mess, and it continues to get messier, and I just – everything about this just makes me feel icky other than Tony Asbeck being a stud and Sierra Bagas getting a new job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Both kings and queens, respectively. Uh, you already said it was selfish, and we've talked about people not getting vaccinated being selfish, uh, and I'll say it as often as possible. I think it's selfish if you're – especially if you're in a field where you're around – other people to this extent you're on stage with them you're working intimately with them and then you're going to make the decision to not get vaccinated because you don't and not you know, tell them be- and not tell them and you know because you don't believe in the science whatever which is are, of course ridiculous because i'm sure other vaccinations are required to do other parts of your job especially if you're traveling abroad and working abroad uh, as we all which- know is the case which Laura is scheduled to do in January uh, yeah, with Jeremy Jordan. Yeah, weird. So she clearly has other vaccinations. So this, you know, as it always does, reads to me as more of a political statement, which is why the Christian conservative stuff ends up coming up. Never mind that it's also the New York Post. So of course it's going to come up. Um, but yeah, it's someone already said it, and I forgot who, and I'm sorry, but I can't imagine watching what happened with Nick Cordero and his family, even mm-hmm. from a distance, and then just not doing what you need to do, and that's get this vaccine. Uh, I just, I think it's unbelievably selfish in every way. I think it's insulting to the people you work with. I think it's insulting to the people who put on shows and the people who have suffered and the people who have died, because it's not just Nick Cordero. We had Terrence McNally. We've had several other people die in the past year. And I just, I don't know how you go through that and see your colleagues die around you or people that write the shows that you perform and just say, mm, I'm not going to do that. I think that there are, there is a legitimate discussion to be had about people who, for whatever reason, don't have the privilege of getting all of the information that someone like you or I or Laura Osnes has at mm, their disposal sure. for whatever that is, education or financial or, or just accessibility. I think oh, that's important. Definitely. And then, and then also people coming from um, different communities, whether that be yep. racial, ethnic, ethnic or whatever that have been 
you know, victimized when it comes to medical practices in this country in the past. I think that those people who are choosing not to get vaccinated, there is a much higher threshold for me in terms of tolerance for those people um, than than, than rich white people who are doing it, like you said, potentially out of a political um, statement for themselves. And even even there, like I, you know, there's a very small portion of me that has – Maybe a little bit of sympathy for those people, especially like people in rural communities who are, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's face it, watching Fox News and nothing else and have been told for months and months and months not to get the vaccine, even though their anchors are all vaccinated. And the president, former president was vaccinated, all of that and beyond. I, I mean, I grew up in a Christian conservative household as well. So I understand that it took so long to get my father vaccinated, but he did it. It's just, so I have like a certain, I have a very, very small amount of sympathy because I mean, if you've got that propaganda thrown at you all day, every day, there's only so much you're going to listen to. But that said, as you said, someone with the privilege like Laura Osnes, who also is working in a very liberal industry, it's ridiculous. No, nothing I'm going to add to that. So let's take a real quick break here uh, and get into some of those questions that I asked Grace on this week on Broadway, which, of course, you can get. Um, you can uh, get that episode before anybody else with all the bonus features over on patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. We released that at like 730 on Saturday because we did the interview on Saturday afternoon. So you got it like 21, 20 and a half hours before the regular feed got it. So head over there and, and get signed up uh, for our Patreon. But two questions for you, Ashley. First, what Broadway show that you have not yet seen okay. on Broadway um, that's opening, let's say, between now and the end of the year, are you most excited to see once it returns? I've got two. Um, and one I've talked about several times on the show, and that's Carolina Change. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to that revival before the shutdown. And even like <laughs> roaming around the city where po- like subway posters are still up for it and have been for the past year, get like a little weepy in my heart about it because I've wanted to see it for so long. The other is Flying Over Sunset because I am notoriously mm. a James Lapine person. So that yes. I've been very, very much looking forward to. So those are definitely Just, the big ones. There are other shows, and we'll talk about it in a second. There are other shows uh, that I've seen, uh, just not on Broadway. Yeah, so you're excited about Flying Over Sunset despite the kit and yorkiness of it all. <laughs> yeah, I love the Kit and Yorkie does. Okay. You're right, you're the anti Kit Yorkie person of the I duo am. here. I, they they seem like lovely individuals. Yeah. I just I just don't love their their music. But anyway, Excited. so that second question, which which I had to Hello. clarify, I had to clarify <laughs> the first one because I didn't want you answering the same thing for what? both. But what show are you most uh, excited um, or likely to see again once it comes back? Company. <laughs> company. Yeah. Obviously. Company. Obviously company. company. I've only seen it twice so far, so I'm very much looking forward to November 15th when I get to see it the third time. The other one and what I, you know, need to clarify on are shows that I've seen off Broadway and yeah. I'm very much looking forward to seeing them on Broadway. And that's the in repertoire Dana H. And is this a room again? Yeah, Grace and I both had that as answers Good. for what well, we were I, looking I'm, forward I'm to really seeing. I'm really not surprised for you, considering you miss like oh. every video 
hear the show ever. I know. I won't do that again. I promise. You I can't promise. do it. You gotta, you gotta catch it this time. I'm really much, I don't feel like either of those are Broadway shows, but I think they're such exceptional shows. I don't care where you mount them. I'll go and see them. Yeah, and, and the Lyceum isn't huge, so right. It, right. It, it, it hopefully will work. But All right, let's get back into the news, Ashley. Friday, Actors Equity and the Broadway League announced a renegotiated contract terms for actors and stage managers on prorated weekly schedules. Now, as we've discussed before, since the typical Broadway contract is built around an eight-show week, there will need to be adjustments as some shows are returning with fewer than a full week of performances. According to Broadway News, and this gets confusing, so we're going to have to break this down. Mm. Quote, if a Broadway production plays less than the typical eight shows per week, producers are allowed to prorate salaries for actors and stage managers per the Actors' Equity Agreement. However, even if a production plays six or, or even fewer performances, producers have agreed to pay actors and stage managers for at least seven shows per week. So okay. unless I'm misreading that, I looked for another source and no one else is reporting this and I, I normally get... AEA press releases, and I didn't for right. this. But basically, it's saying the producers are either going to pay for seven shows or eight shows per week. Yeah, that's what that sounds like. I mean, yeah. it, that, it feels very clear. But yeah, but it seems like a really oddly way to word it. So uh, we'll see. But keep in mind, this does not include the first week of shows, which obviously can be shorter as previews begin midweek. Sure, and, sure, and they're sure. not going to punish them for starting on a Friday or whatever. Also in the agreement, AEA and the league eliminated 10 out of 12s, which are the technical rehearsals in which mm. actors work 10 hours over a 12-hour period. And they also included new anti-harassment and bullying oh, language good. and all of that stuff. The um, uh, agreement applies to all Broadway productions that begin before March 1st of next year and apply for the first eight weeks of performances. Good. So okay. after after you've gotten into the show two months, they are going to re resort back to an eight show a week contract. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Weird wording for all of that, but I mean it's Ugh. legalese, so exactly. not really CBA not, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Not too surprising. Glad to obviously the stuff about ten out of twelves and the anti harassment, which very obviously needed as we've <laughs> continued to talk about stories. Absolutely. Or not talk about them. Or um, not talk about them. <laughs> Soon to talk about them, maybe. Maybe. Next up, on Friday on PBS, the much-anticipated documentary follow-up Broadway colon Beyond the Golden Age premiered on um, the public uh, broadcasting system. Is that right? PBS? Um, yeah. Via their Great Performances series and is now available to stream on the network's app and website. The doc had been in the works for literal decades um, as the filmmaker collected interviews with the likes of Carol Burnett, Glenn Close, Andre DeShields, Jane Fonda, Robert Goulet, <laughs> Liza nice. Minnelli, thank you, uh, Cheetah Rivera, Dick Van Dyke, Ben Vereen, and more. However, unfortunately, filmmaker Rick McKay died in 2018, yeah. leaving the doc in limbo for a long time. Uh, McKay, for a lot of Broadway fans, is perhaps best known for his previous iconic documentary, Broadway, The Golden Age, Beyond the Legends Who Were There. Um, and both of these documentaries are done very similarly with archival footage and tons and tons of interviews Ugh, with folks. My favorite. Yeah. This new one focuses on the years 1959 through 1983. Uh, actually, I have the original, uh, Broadway, the Golden Age on DVD. Ooh. Uh, and, um, I've watched it many times, shown it to students, uh, many times. So I cannot wait 
to to get around to watching this one. I've got it saved yeah. on my DVR. I save every great performances um, performance on on my DVR, so I have this one waiting for me when I have a chance to watch it. As you should. They're all exceptional. I can't wait for this one. Um, and we kind of talked about it before we started recording that it's one of those things that slips both of our minds. But I mean that. First of all, those interview, like the cast of interviewees is ridiculous. I love all of those people. So I will hear everything they have to say forever. Um, mm-hmm. and PBS just always puts on excellent work, especially when it comes to theater and great performances. Uh, it is service, not system, by the way. Oh, PBS. public broadcasting system public, or service, no, service. Public broadcasting service. I used to work for an affiliate and I still agreed with you on systems. So now oh, I feel okay. like a, so this is your fault. a broken person. Yes. This is your fault. <laughs> this is um, my fault. <laughs> yeah. There apparently was also some footage in this of the legendary Liza Minnelli put in with Cheetah Rivera to Chicago, um, uh. where, where she kind of dipped in for a kind of short unannounced run in the show. Um, and there's yeah. some. Um, yeah. There's some footage of of the put in in there as well, which is oh, that's amazing. amazing, amazing. So, finally, in this section, it was announced on Friday that Leighton Williams and Bianca Del Rio yeah. will return to the roles that they have in the past and will coming up here this fall play in the London production of Everybody's Talking About Jamie when the show makes its U.S. debut at the Amundsen Theater in L.A. beginning on January 16th. Leighton Williams will play Jamie New and Roy Haylock, best known as Drag Race champion Bianca Del Rio, will mm-hmm. play Hugo slash Loco Chanel, which is a yes. great drag name. So good. Um, Ashley, I don't believe that this show has announced an official tour or even Broadway plans so. yet. But we know it has to be coming, especially with the movie. And yeah, this I was would just seem, say. yeah. And this would seem like a really good way to kick it off. If you're going to do a show about drag, you would want to have one of the most famous drag queens in the country leading that production. For sure. Yeah, I would honestly be very surprised if this doesn't make it to Broadway. I feel like they've kind of talked about that their intentions to do that a lot so far and then as you said the movie coming out and now that they're kicking off this uh run it's see it feels pretty inevitable yeah and a lot of things have changed because of the pandemic and the the movie and we've heard a lot of different things before and after the movie was announced so it's uh, kind of interesting to see what happens next with this one all right, let's close up the show with a feel-good recommendations. As part of the great CBS Sunday morning, the uh, the news broadcast aired a video that was made by NYC Next, which is an organization dedicated to building New York City into a more equitable place for all. And they had a just a ton of stars, many of them Broadway-related, sing the iconic Billy Joel song, New York yes, State of Mine Across the right. City. It was fantastic. We had the likes of Sarah Bareilles, Victoria Clark, the aforementioned Aww. Tom Kitt, LaShawns, Adina Menzel, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Kelly O'Hara, Peppermint, okay. um, another one okay. of the most most Come famous, through. yeah, one of the other most famous uh, uh, drag race alums uh, in the country. Also, ironically, not listed in the YouTube credits, but Jerry Dixon and Mario Cantone were in oh, there, hello. Okay. and then some other familiar faces like Joan Osborne, Andy Cohen, Stephen Colbert, Suzanne Vega, and some other people who I'm sure are famous 
but I don't know who they are. Um, <laughs> and actually, someone I've interviewed before was in there as well, Brian Newman, who's a trumpet player Ooh. and is part of uh, uh, Lady Gaga. He's Lady Gaga's band leader, uh, but a, 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 a trumpet player of his own acclaim and singer. Um, him and his, his wife, Angie, who is a burlesque star, um, were in there as well. Nice. Um, but this is great. I love that song. I love Billy Joel. Um, Billy Joel's greatest hits, Obviously. one and two, is like one of the seminal Ooh, albums of yes, my childhood. Same. Very so, much same. Very so this is a good. cool video because they're all just around New York City singing it. Um, and it's a, a very, very cool thing. Makes you all, all feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yes, indeed. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, everybody, don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. We will be recording our review roundtable of the back half of the Schmigadoon season this week. So it will be up later this week, and you will only be able to hear that at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. Anyway, everybody, have a wonderful Monday and a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.